apologize for the lack of sound last week. It was probably the computer's fault. We <laughs> it was weird. Everything was plugged in. Lights were on, but no one was home. So these things sure happen. And weird. the bastards, we bounce back, Rod. We press through. We press through. We are resilient. Resilient. <laughs> Which reminds me, how about those Broncos? Right in the thick of the AFC wild card playoff situation yes. now. And two of the teams that are in the wild card playoff situation, they play. And they just beat. Uh, the Browns, which were one of the teams with like seven wins. I'm like, this is huge. And at some point this season, you'll be playing the team with the worst record in the AFC. Which I'm, I think that's right around Christmas Eve, Raj. <laughs> so while we're visiting with mom and dad, we'll have one eye watching the game. I won't be watching it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would Patriots, be just my luck. The Patriots have been virtually unwatchable this season. <laughs> Roger, I heard, was it Rob Gronkowski? He was so frustrated because I didn't see the game. I didn't realize how poorly it went. You guys are scoring less than the Broncos these days. But it's like 10-7. Guy just has to make a chip, chip shot field goal. Right. And Rob Gronkowski said that one missed kick was sort of the microcosm of the entire season. It was just, that was it. You can't hit a, a kick from 31 yards. Well, and both of their, the other 10 points, <clears throat> both of the scores came on the heels of interceptions thrown by, oh, both quarterbacks that were played in the game. So anyway, it was, it's just... <clears throat> um, and Denver is, is the takeaway king. I think they're up to 15 takeaways in four games. So I saw it was an NFL record in terms of number of games awesome. in a row. And after that one worst game ever, yeah, they said another right. They were second in the NFL with scored points against I, them. But then to turn that around, I, I love no, I love the Broncos story. Uh, go Broncos and Russell Wilson's running for touchdowns again, which I was trying to think of. They, they've got to figure out the red zone problem. I'm like, that's part of it. If you make him a running threat, if they know he's not going to run for it, you can put everyone in coverage. <laughs> But someone's got to spy him. Mean, he's a run threat. That takes yeah. one more person out of the end zone that can just be watching. <clears throat> so I just, there was a lot of good things. And he, I didn't get he to watch just seems the game. to be better on the run than in the pocket. I agree. Um, as a quarterback. Right. So I think he's a moving quarterback. <clears throat> it's good. So there's that. And I'm watching Bronco. Oh, I'm actually not watching him. I actually get to see highlights because they're not, even though they're <laughs> right. like game of the week next week, I'm not 100% we'll get them. Okay. Because they moved them during the early slot. Oh, gotcha. Probably means I'm going to get Atlanta or Tennessee. Nothing wrong with either team. I just don't watch them <laughs> if I can help it. We have family who watch Tennessee. Family but... And David's probably, you know, he's a Miami fan. No, Miami, yeah. Jacksonville, surprisingly good team. I did watch them uh, beat a good Texans team at home. Who Denver has next week, so the Texans are going to be very unhappy and want to win at home. And they're a good team. I was watching. They're a good yeah. team. But their quarterback. What? The quarterback's very good. Very good. But what Rookie. Trevor Lawrence is doing, even <clears throat> after like that's just it's just fun to watch. Mm -hmm. His release has gotten so quick, which is one of the big things. You just can't wind up in the NFL. Yep. Because in the wind up <laughs> you'll wind up on your butt. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> or yeah. Or the safety's the safety's winding towards your wind up. <laughs> right. But if you can just do that and it comes out fifty yards, it's pretty amazing. So to me, the college football story is the selection committee might not have to work very hard on this one 
Four undefeated teams. Four undefeated teams. If they all go undefeated. But I, you know what I thought about, and again. Well, there's actually five undefeated teams. You left out the Liberty Flames. Are, is Liberty undefeated? They're number 18. Good for them. <laughs> undefeated. That tells you a lot about how Coach Free is recruited. For them to still be that good and he moved on, that means they're far better than Auburn. Oh, by the way, the Iron Bowl was so much fun to watch. Auburn, here's the bless their hearts. Fourth and fourth, fourth and goal at the 31. And that was after an Auburn guy muffed the punt. I mean, they wouldn't have even been in that position to even have a chance to score. I'm like, they're going to win the game. Muff? The and, then, and then it was three mistakes in a row by Alabama to get it back to the 31, right. which I was like, Saban is going to have a heart attack today. Today's the day he's going to have the heart he, attack. Right, right on the sideline. He's going to expire. And then I was so at fourth and 31, fourth and goal right. from the 31. There ain't right. no first down coming. Right. This is the last play You've of got the game. It. Right. This is it. There's like 37 seconds to go in the game. And I just was thinking about two of my Auburn friends in particular. Oh, I've got some of those. And the yeah. horror that they felt when he came down with that. Roger, this is the last thing I'll say about football. <laughs> they played not to lose. They rushed three. And gave a Heisman quarter Heisman caliber quarterback 33 seconds <laughs> to figure out where does he want to throw the ball. Do I want no? No one's open over there yet. Let's look to the other side. Nope, no one there yet. No, the three guys you, to me. You rush five. I mean, literally, right. you're going to get him, or he's going to throw it, and someone's got to just tackle whoever it is. But to rush three and give him that, I just was that's well, playing not to lose. And the three work looked like they were just contained. Right. If you're watching they them, didn't even look like they're trying to rush. No, they were not looking like, in fact, at a certain point, they're just kind of, there's just a little like rocket. There's yeah. three spies on the quarterback. Three spies. The they're going to make is, sure. There's nine other people downfield that can, well, eight other people downfield that can catch their quarterback. Should he get by you? Well, there's not eight. They're, they actually had five back. There were five line, offensive linemen and <laughs> the quarterback. Anyway. Anyway. So. That was Iron Bowl did not disappoint for drama. No, for drama, it was a great As game. It, <laughs> Thoroughly enjoyed watching it. It was it was to me like the Alabama Tennessee game. I thought Alabama should have. I mean, I thought Tennessee should have won that game. They just couldn't keep their pedal to the floor. But if you have a couple of teams that lose, and let's say Alabama beats Georgia, now the committee's got some work to do. <laughs> well, and here's the other, let's let's here's the other thing. And again, I I don't know the whole story, so I. But I thought, I was just thinking about this while I was working on putting, installing three windows. So let's say Michigan wins the national championship. Is it tainted because their coach was suspended two different times? Right. Three games a pop. I don't know. It's just interesting. One for a recruiting violation, one right. for a sign stealing violation. Several people got fired and I get it. He may not have known about those right. things. And that's the, that's the hard thing being a head coach. You're still responsible for the team. Sure. Even if you don't know what your assistant coaches are doing. But I was, this is an interesting thought. I was like, hmm, yeah. It's sort of asterisk. <laughs> Our coach was. But to win, well, some to people... go undefeated with, without your head coach for six of those 12 games, pretty darn amazing. Yeah. And it tells you how good the whole football team yep. is. Yep. <clears throat> so you know what I want to talk about today? Nothing. Mm -hmm. I know that's typically the case when the pastors get on because Roger's already done a face cast this morning. So he's already had things they've thought about. No, I finished the, I finished the Sermon on the Mount today. 
It's taken me a while to get through it. What do you mean? Define finished. <laughs> okay. So I got to chapter seven where he said, um, the wise man that builds his house on the rock is the person who actually does what I say. But the person who hears my words, but doesn't actually do anything about it. It's like a person who builds his house on sand. First storm comes that that house collapses. And it reminded me of a meme that I saw that I liked. I actually, <laughs> I actually loved it. <clears throat> if you can love it. And it said this, it said, um, when you read Jesus in the, in the gospel, he gives us several, I'm not, I'd, I'd love to know how many it was 40 something commands about doing <laughs> summed up by what he said today, which is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. In other words, the rabbinic Judaism already had the golden rule and the negative for it. Don't do it to anyone else, but you don't want done to you as well as many other major religions. Buddhism has that Hinduism has it, but they have it in the negative form. Don't do to someone else what you don't want them to do to you. Jesus flips it and makes it a very active thing and says, do for others. So in everything, do for others what you want them to do for you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. So Jesus is giving us more color commentary to his word about what does it mean to love your neighbor? Love God, love your neighbor. Well, you can't do that unless you're, according to Jesus, summing up the whole law and the prophets, unless you're doing for others as you want them to, be, as you want them to do to you which changes everything about everything, the way you buy things, the way you sell things, the way you, just the way that you treat everyone. But the meme that I love said this. Uh, so 2000 years ago, Jesus gives us 50 commands about what to do, how to live our life. And it's like several hundred years later, the Nicene Creed comes out, has nothing to say about what we should do, but it has eight things we should believe. And I just love that. I'm like, isn't that interesting? We created a creed around not doing, th not doing what Jesus said, but believing things about right. Jesus and about the Bible. And I thought, isn't that interesting? Because Jesus himself said, there is no blessing for those who hear my words. <laughs> Maybe even believe mm. that that's good stuff, Jesus. I believe that. <laughs> right. The blessing is reserved for those who actually do it. And I thought, how did we get here? I mean, really, how did we... How did Christianity become this thing about if we believe, you know, I've talked about it many times, the seven Bible facts about Jesus, then we're a part of the kingdom. But Jesus says, no, he said, enter by the, he finishes the sermon of this, enter by the narrow gate for wide is the way and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many, yeah. and many enter through it. Yeah. But narrow is the gate <clears throat> and only a few find it. And I wonder in the context, just in the context where Jesus puts it, if, if Matthew is following his conclusion, if that's about actually doing what Jesus said. And, and again, here's the thing. I don't always do it every time. And this is where I take heart in the words of Jesus, where he said, um, I do not judge those who hear my words, but do not do them. But there is a judge for those who reject my words, because in rejecting me, you reject the one who sent me. So it's like, I don't get it right every time, but I'm literally seeking to do what he said. And, and I just thought how many times Jesus talked about believing something and it didn't make the Nicene Creed. Move okay. a mountain, believe in your heart that it'll be done <laughs> and yep. it will move. Didn't make the creed. <laughs> but it's one of the things that Jesus talked about believing. So I was curious to get your take being a seminary graduate. Roger's gone through all of the necessary hoops for pastorism. Uh, yeah. How did we get here? Belief systems. Well, part of it is belief and doing go hand in hand. Or they're supposed to go hand in hand. Good call. Jesus would talk about 
the Pharisees not living what they believe, not doing what they were, they were actually, so actually doing, even doing the words of Jesus comes on what you believe about him. Absolutely. So, okay, they both go together, but it is sobering. It is sobering because what we tend to do with any tension, belief, it's almost like two sides of coin, belief and doing are two sides of the coin. Different things. So the pendulum swings to one side or the other. Right. But it is a huge mistake if when you get to, if you settle into, we're just going to land on belief because um, this is where you get into the all the warnings, repeated warnings Jesus has about doing. And it's fascinating and sobering. And I think about the ways we undercut this perhaps in the church culture we grew up in, but when Jesus actually tells the parable of the sheep and the goats. I was about to go, yeah. Okay, the separating. Because <clears throat> also it's also in. Right, you get to the end of the, he's, 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 it's based on, I'm just saying his direct words there, it's based on what you How they lived, what, what do. they did. Right, and it's interesting because when, at the end of the Sermon on the Round, so Jesus, he's talking about this whole thing because it's the narrow gate and it's, and then he goes this. So why do you call me Lord, Lord? This is all at the end. This is all part of this conclusion. And I'm like, when I, when I tie it all together, I'm like, so people believe that he's Lord. We believe that you're the real thing, but don't do what I say. Right. It's, and I've been saying for years, even when we, when we were preaching together at Westside, I remember, that's when it really dawned on me. What does it mean to believe in Jesus? It is not believing that Jesus is a historical figure. Plenty of people do that don't that don't believe in him as Messiah. I met some some uh, Jewish friends that believe that he was a real person. Right. I wondered if it's possible to believe that Jesus is actually the Son of God, Lord of the universe, but apparently not believe him enough to actually do it. In other words, do you believe in Jesus Christ as Lord? Oh, absolutely. Are are you doing what he taught? Well, no, I don't really think that's the best way to live. Well, isn't isn't it what it says about the demons? The demons believe. No, they right. Yeah, they're they, not unclear about who Jesus no, they is. They believe he's Lord. Yep. They're not. I'm not following him. Which is the sobering yeah. word, even around where even where Jesus is going there. It's possible to believe he's Lord and not live like it. In, in other words, I'm talking about it's to quote the creed. I must say it's, it's possible to believe the Nicene Creed and miss out on the kingdom of heaven. I'm just, yeah. I, I'm not going, I don't, I don't believe in Jesus enough to actually do what he said. Cause I would, when people would ask, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? And cause it used to be more like, do you believe in Santa Claus? Do you believe in the Easter bunny? Like it means you believe him enough to actually do what he says, a actually doing it. It's that, cause it takes faith to do it. Right. It's countercultural. When you talk, you start talking about loving enemies and doing good to those who've done bad to you and not repaying evil for evil, but repaying evil with good and, be perfect like your heavenly father is perfect. All of those things in our culture seem crazy, unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And yet Jesus said, do it. So same context. He goes, understand this. There's going to be a lot of, a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing. It, and I realized they, they <laughs> look good and they believe good. Uh, in other words, they say the right things, mm -hmm. and I, but they don't actually do it. And, but that was true for exit. Of course, that was true in Jesus' time. You had people that religiously memorized the Torah, quoted the Torah, knew the Torah, 
didn't give a crap about the poor or the oppressed or cheating a laborer in the field. Right. But they kept every, every... But they set aside a, a tenth of their mint. And they performed all the sacrifices to the T. all the sacrifices. Um, Jesus said, learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Right. We don't realize what a flip that was to the script. Because <laughs> they're like, no, 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 no. God wants sacrifice. Right. Absolutely. We're, that's, that is what's most important to God. And Jesus is like, no, no. Mercy triumphs over judgment. God's actually more about mercy. God wants you to be merciful. God wants you to have it rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Right. God wants you to give sun to the evil and the good. And that, that's where I realize I struggle. I mean, I'm, I'm on the path, but I'm like, it's easier for me to treat the good, good. <laughs> it's harder to treat someone who's treating you bad, good. But when I do, here's the interesting, when I do, I feel better. I, I just, I, I, I do believe it's the key to emotional health. Actually doing what Jesus said yeah. is the key to emotional health because I don't have to demand my rights. I don't have to get them back. I don't have to make sure, you know, it takes advantage of me. I'm like, yeah, they didn't steal from me. I just gave it to them. Yeah, but they, but they came into your yard and stole it. Yeah, it's theirs now. I gave it to them. <laughs> I mean, it's just beautiful. I don't have to go get it. Well, it's the fascinating thing that I thought about. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's insured, stay far and get me another one. <laughs> okay, that was wrong. I'm sorry. That was not helpful. That was not helpful. <laughs> not helpful. Not, that was not good, Bill. <laughs> No, I was thinking, because it hit me that when Jesus said, listen, when he was, the words you're quoting him at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, I realized he's telling people, you are building your life, on, everyone's building their life on a foundation. On something. On something. <clears throat> yep. And what he's saying is, my words are a foundation. My commands, doing what I say is is a foundation for life. And what he's saying is any oh. other foundation for life will fail you. Yeah. In other words, if your foundation is, let's say, money and financial security, we're going to lay that foundation because a lot of people, <clears throat> when you listen to them, that's the foundation for a good life. You got to be healthy. You have a healthy financial situation, good found lots yep. and savings and all that's all the bases covered. And then you're building a house. But Paul himself said, there's only one foundation that a man can lay, which is Christ, but each man must determine how he builds on it. That's the other thing I thought about, because you just pointed out something you really thought about. Jesus is talking about the foundation for your house. He didn't say you can't build a house. Right, exactly. You can just build away. No. But if it doesn't have the foundation of actually doing what Jesus said. So I wonder, you know, if some people, their foundation of their house is, I believe, things about Jesus. Virgin birth, died on the cross, mm -hmm. sinless life, ascended into heaven, all of those things. But their foundation is still sand because they're not actually doing they're not actually doing what Jesus said. And it is it, it, it saves my marriage all the time. It really I mean, just when I get sideways with Marlena and or she, or she gets sideways with me, I go back to the teaching of Jesus. And it's always about it's loving. It's loving people that don't necessarily treat you well. Marlena has been so gracious to me so many times when I've not treated her well, where she could have just written me off. Mm -hmm. But that is the way of Christ. I'm, I'm Not only do I forgive you, but I want to treat you well. But it is emotionally healthy. I mean, it's beautiful. Well, it's, it is the thing when you actually 
live like Jesus is Lord rather than say, both can go together. In fact, they should go together. Jesus is bringing up the possibility <clears throat> that you can call him that. Right. He's with, not saying that you shouldn't call him that. Right. In fact, but, in other places said, and rightly so. You call me Lord and rightly so. But if you're not doing it, then at some level you can question whether you believe it. And it's easy for, enough yes. for me to look at other people, but I, I've done this. I've called you as Lord, and in a moment I just decide, yeah, I'm not doing eh, that. I'm not going to do that. Well, in that moment, he's not Lord Rogers. You know, I've decided, but here's what Jesus is saying. Once you do that, like, okay, we're pulling the sand back out. You know, let's get rid of that slab foundation. That's that's no good. Let's let's work with sand. I <laughs> well, go ahead and finish that thought because I'm going on a different thought on the same thing. Yeah, no, I just remember even, you know, the last time we were at New Smyrna Beach. With, Foundations on sand only last so long. So the the house next to this condo unit we stay, couple two or three houses, when we had this series a couple of years ago of like two back to back storms that came in, they eroded the sand under the house, and literally the fronts of these houses, they just all collapsed. And I remember hmm. just the words of Jesus kept coming up: "You build your house on the sand." It doesn't matter how strong and beautiful, to your point, all these other things, if the foundation isn't doing what he says, where he's trying to save your marriage, he's where he even said, I came to give abundant life, but abundant life hinges on actually doing what I said. The foundation is not primarily what you believe, right? It's what you do now it's what the you sub do foundation what is related to what you believe because if, if i start off with i believe he is lord yeah. that's why even when he says the what well why do you call me good right the guy who comes up to ask right. him about eternal life I, I need to know what you believe what's your me. starting point if right. if i'm just a good teacher okay that's going to affect one thing but if you're asking my thought as lord well now that's a you know anyway that's you have a another question. Thought. Well, I think Jesus, it's a, for those of you that, that want to develop your speaking skills, Jesus does something that's super important. He takes the main point of the talk, <laughs> starts with it, finishes with it. You know what his introduction was? I am, his introduction was, I tell you, unless your righteousness exceed that of the, of the Pharisees and the, and the teachers of the law, you won't even enter the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these things, what I'm about to say, will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But the person who doesn't practice and teach these things will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. I'm like, and I've told Jesus many times, I would be happy just to be least in the kingdom of heaven. Just want to be in the game with you. Happy to be least. But it's interesting. He doesn't say, but anyone who teaches and practices these things will be great. And he says, first practices. Hmm. But he who practices, got to do it first before yeah. you teach it others and teaches others to do the same mm. will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And I'm like, that's the teacher that I want to be. I'm living it first. Then I'm teaching others to do it. In other words, that was even when he gets to the conclusion, because at the end he, he talks about actually doing what he says, actually practicing what he says. And that, that difference between the wolf in sheep's clothing and the true follower of Christ is the fruit of their life. And here's what I realized. This is the last thing I'll say about Yeah. It. But the fruit of their life is not a creed. It's just not. 
and it's not performing miracles. That that's shocking. Performing miracles in Jesus' name. Uh, yep. Leading a mega church in Jesus' name. None of that is the fruit that he's talking about. He's talking about actually doing what I said. When you do what I said, when I, when you do what I say, that's good fruit. And that's another encouraging thing. It doesn't. So most of us, most of us are gonna live our lives in relative obscurity. We just are, and we will not know until the next realm the fruit of our life. And it's that. It's why I said my my one resolution this year is I'm not gonna compare my life to anyone else's because if I do, mm -hmm. I, I I can go well. They're being more fruitful. They have a larger reach. They have more followers. Blah blah blah. And I'm like, no, I just need to be, I need to be very, I need to be doing, doing what Jesus said every single day, doing what Jesus said every day, the faithfulness of that. Then Jesus determines if I'm practicing that, he determines how many people I teach that to. If that's yeah. one and that person becomes a full tilt disciple, if Zach chooses to follow Jesus from just, man, that's your, you've got a hundred percent return on your life. How did we turn the focus of fruitful on accomplishments rather than doing? In other oh, words, yeah. the fruit of the spirit is not large churches. No. The fruit of the spirit is not um, impactful nonprofits. The fruit of the spirit is not best-selling books. The fruit, fruit of the spirit, spirit is not over 10 million followers. The fruit of the spirit, fruit of the spirit is not actually having enough people listen to your podcast that you get paid for it. <laughs> the fruit of the spirit is not great kids. Yeah. The fruit of the spirit, it's being patient. It's being kind. It's being loving. Um, it's being gentle. There, In other words, it shows up in how you live i think even when we look at even if i look at john 15 you said you know you're gonna i want you to bear much fruit why did we turn that into I, I want you to lead a lot of people to jesus i want you to yeah so think about this love joy peace kindness gentleness patience all this now the ones that you just referenced are all are obviously or, or typically in relation to other people are you kind to other people are you gentle with other people <laughs> but you made me think of something this week are we bringing joy to other people are we bringing peace mm. to other people? Now think about that because yep. we think about personal peace or personal joy. And this has been part of my problem with finding joy. I'm looking for personal joy. Like I feel joy. Ah. But you reminded me this week, just in something you said, if we're giving joy to other people, we're bearing the fruit of the spirit. Yes. Even if I'm not feeling joyful, we're but if I'm giving joy to others, we're producing the fruit producing, of joy. Oh, that was so good. <laughs> I mean, it really was. I was just like, hold it. I've been looking for personal joy. Interesting. Versus giving joy because we give mercy to right. others. Now, I realize we need right. to give our we need to give grace to ourselves and we need to be sure. kind to ourselves. I even talk about that. But we often think of the fruit of the spirit in relation to certain are in relation to other people, but certain are personal. But I'm like, no, right. what if it's what if they're all in relation to ourselves and others? Right. We're bringing joy to other people, bringing peace to other people. Blessed are the peacemakers. Yep. Well, that's less about making peace for yourself. It's kind of a person that jumps in there. Yep. And says, I've got two parties that are that are adversaries. I'm going to do the best I can to make peace here. Right. If I'm tying it up, even I look at the sermon, deep, I'm deep thoughts. Looking. From the pastors. <laughs>
Let's just shut her down now. It's been so good. <laughs> because Roger's about to say it could mess the whole thing up. Right. It's, no. God but, knows best. If we don't have sound, it wasn't. But if I'm good. even reiterating sort of the point, like the Sermon on the Mount, is, it seems to be almost entirely about doing. Mm -hmm. In other words, and then he's saying, really, I'm putting out a foundation. If you build your life on chapters five, six, and seven uh -huh. of Matthew, I mean, the, any storm can come against you and you're going to stand. And it's to me, it's this word, everyone listening to it, whatever, you're building your life. And I think this is a great word even to talk about, even if we're talking to people about Jesus. Right. It's just saying, hey, listen, you, you're building your life, you're banking your life on certain things you believe and do that you think bring the good life. I'm just putting Jesus, what I have found, what I have found is that doing what Jesus said and making that foundation in my life has been the source of joy, hope, contentment, peace. It has radically changed me. That to me is my message to other people. Jesus offers you a foundation, a way of living life that will revolution, that will stand up to anything. And I found that to be true. Don't build on sand because it won't stand. I like it. And I, I often I don't. don't. I felt like it lacked something. Sand and well, sand. Well, it wasn't. There's only one letter difference. Well planned. No. It was sand. Was <laughs> it should band. be banned. It should be banned. Well, great day here on the Pastures. Go Broncos. Go Tennessee and the Gator Bowl. Uh, there we go. Oh, I'm still here. <laughs> oh. <laughs>